Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Uh, yeah, really enormous energy, really exciting. Um, it's the kind of energy that makes you do things that may be a little bit out of character for yourself. Hi, Benny. Hi, Olivia. How are you both today? I'm doing well. Yep, we're both good. So before I talk with Paul, Paul Selleck, my very special guest today, uh, we're talking about alchemy, book two, beyond the known trilogy i'm going to talk with paul i had a moment and uh linda and i were were thinking when's the first time we met paul i'm trying to go back like how many years ago that was and uh it came to mind because we are as i mentioned in the last hour we have finished our technology from the ground up complete rebuild complete but we're not changing our technology because we love it. And we thought we were going to do a best of series. So we started to look people up. And I said to, I, I was just kind of chit-chatting. And one of the things that I realized is that my first interview with Paul, or let's just call it a conversation with Paul, I would have to go back and really look it up. But I remember my first conversation with Paul. I was, I felt so out of my element. I felt, how am I even going to talk to this man? You know, the body of work he's done in the world. I remember this because I remember I was a little scared. Fast forward to probably it's about 13 years later. Here I am with Paul. We have two copies of his books to give away. And I'm still a little scared. And I'm telling you that it's because for me, I want to honor people's work. That's why I do this. I mean, I didn't, I didn't keep paying for airtime because of some kind of thing I wanted to achieve. But I knew there were people like Paul Selleck in the world that had powerful messages. And somehow, if I could be the catalyst for that, then I could be doing something with my life that I never thought was possible. Today, one of my favorite words today is the word alchemy. It's a word that I had to figure out for myself what it means. But alchemy and things that come forward is what I'm really just to talk to Paul about. Because when we get the voices of guides, did you hear that New York accent right there, Benny? The voices. The voices of guides that offer insight to a path forward. When you become the vehicle for that, you have to stop for a minute in awe. And that's what I do every time I read Paul's book. But the other thing I realized as I was thinking about this is I don't know half the time where the questions are that I have for people or why there's something that I see or that I grab onto, right? But spiritual experiences can catapult us off into a direction. Clairvoyant for Paul, not sure what it is for me, but today... We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this inspiration and channel, this, 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 this book of messages for a time we live in now that I don't think he could have predicted. Paul, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. 
you are um, maybe my language and selection of language, but you are a vehicle. You are a channel, a conduit. You are that person where things come through you to mm -hmm. us. And maybe I don't have the right language, mm -hmm. um, but without you being you, we're not going to be able to talk about what we're about to talk about today. And we're certainly not going to be a lot smarter and wiser for it. Um, I just wonder what it's like in the day of a, a day, day in a life of Paul Selleck and how these messages come to the forefront for you. And thank you for being here again. Well, I'm happy to be here. You know, I, uh, I'm used to this at this point. So it's somewhat ordinary for me. And my way of being in the world, as far as I know, isn't really that much different than anybody else's. I don't think of myself as special. I experience myself as having a certain facility. And I use the facility, you know, when I'm doing my work. And I now think of this as the work that I do and that I show up for often when I don't want to, um, which is, you know, a fair amount of the time. I enjoy my work, but um, I, I work as a radio. So when I'm channeling, when I'm when I'm doing the work, um, right now I'm doing uh, another book um, in front of a group of people and uh, a lot of live stream seminars because everything that was in person has migrated to online. I show up with my coffee, you know, and um, try to get quiet, and I recede. My consciousness recedes. I, I have a way of sort of stepping a bit backward and allowing this other thing to come to the forefront. And then my job is to take dictation. So I don't think that what I do is... It's, it's, it's like being a stenographer of yeah. sorts. And that's yeah. my experience of it is to try to keep up, ride the wave of, of the language as it's flowing through. And when the broadcast is over, my guide says, stop now, please. And then that's huh. the end of the broadcast. When I do my psychic work, which is, you know, part of what I do, they call me sort of a medium for the living. So I'm not going to contact your your deceased aunt, but if your your aunt is living in, you know, Podunk and you haven't talked to her for five years, I can probably get her, you know, in here and sort of broker a higher level of conversation. And I enjoy that work because, you know, people can confirm it. You know, I tend to step into people. I often start to look like them when I do this. And that's great fun for me because I get to have these experiences of being other people and in other people's lives. But for the most part, I'm just going about my business, just like everybody else. And, um, you know, I, I just have this ability to link in for this specific stuff. People, I think, mistakenly think that if you have these abilities, you can get all the information you need for yourself. And I, I don't. I wish I did. I'm, nobody's given me the lucky numbers. That's not how it's worked. <laughs> I haven't been to the racetrack for a while. Um but, it, you know, right now it is 11, 11 on the clock. Just saying. Uh, okay. <laughs> I want to talk about two things. Uh, and, you know, I've read your books and uh, certainly more than that. I'm one of the people that as I'm reading your book, I'm sort of getting my own energetic hits. And I know people have said this to you. But there are two things that I, uh, two things I want to start out with. One is, is a part in the book where you're talking about um, the denial of God. But one mm -hmm. of the phrases I pulled from it out of the gate was the true self abides in the higher one, in, in, in higher one, in, in a higher one. The true self abides in a higher one. But that by itself didn't catch me till I started to read about the resurrected self and something inside of me just was like i can't describe the feeling mm -hmm. i don't have words for it but it it hit something those two mm -hmm. things hit something for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to talk about this i want to talk about this idea of the denial of god but yeah. also this resurrected aspect of ourselves that so many people are feeling now yeah well the guides have said and they really lay into it in this book that humanity's only real problem is what they call the denial of the divine. 
Um, it's not a religious teaching at all. But they say, you know, there's really one note playing in the entire universe. That's source. Um, and that that one note is in articulation or manifestation as everything that we see. So God is all things. So God is the sky. God is the earth. God is your fingernail. God is that person next door that you can't stand. I mean, it's a challenging teaching. But they say that, you know, the small self, which is the personality structure that's in operation here, which is doing its best, you know, has been basically indoctrinated into this idea of separation that we're separate from our neighbor, that we're separate from our source. And the teaching is really a teaching of union or unification. The idea of the resurrected self, the guides say the true self, which is within, the God within, whatever you want to call it, seeks its expression as and through all of us. And the books are really the process of claiming that expression, you know, so you were talking about the upper, the other place or the upper, yeah. I think you were in the upper room. So the guides talk about this thing called the upper room and they say, we're all, we're operating here in this collective plane in what they call an octave. An octave has high and low notes, you know, but it's all of sort of one, one experience. And we're sharing this octave and they say any piece of music can be transposed and played in a higher octave. And the higher octave they call the upper room, which yeah. is a higher higher mind. They say the divine self or the God within, you can call it whatever you want. There's a name for it in every religious or you know teaching, I suspect. They say the true self abides in the upper room. So the realization of the true self for the alchemization of the being in order to hold that level of vibration or consciousness expresses there. So we begin to express in the upper room and then we begin to sort of claim a world that's in accord to it. So I'm, I'm sort of trying to unpack a whole lot in very simple ways. No. I'm doing a terrible job, but that's the gist of it. No, you're not doing a terrible job because I want to tell you why it hit me now differently in this book, in this conversation, probably uh -huh. than before. Uh, maybe I'm different. Well, I know I'm different. I, I, I can feel the difference in myself mm -hmm. yeah. this year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I change sometimes drastically over my life, but this year in particular, mm -hmm. especially the second half of this year, mm -hmm. something is happening. Mm -hmm. Something is triggering in me that is causing me to do more things in the world. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm already in the world, but what's happening now is just catapulting me to do more, but naturally, not a hard more. And in the book, and I'm reading this in the book, and what I realize is there's a conversation that's going on under the resurrected self part of the book um, where the dialogue is realization from the upper room is not a strategy, a way to fix things. So this was really important to me when I got to it in the book. It's not a way to decide what is worthy of the upper room or what could never be. The upper room, Christ's mind, if you wish, is inclusive in one way. It cannot deny itself. Do you hear these words? God itself cannot deny itself. You may, as a small self, in your illusion of separation, deny all that God is, and in doing so, veil the self, veil the self from the realization of the presence that is not hiding anywhere. And for the first time, what I realized in that, I know there's a little beeping going on in the background. What I realized with that is in the denial, and I'm going to try to, to capture the essence of what I felt after reading this book. In the denial, as small or minute in my life as it seems, like what I'm talking about, Paul, is in a nanosecond of a decision where uh, instead of going to the possibilities and the infinite possibilities, I go to the literal choking effect of doubt. Mm -hmm. And what I realized, and there's much more here we're going to talk about, but what I realized is how obvious it was to me now of how I deny 
this relationship I have with the divine, what you call it, and how when I deny it, it literally cuts me off from any source energy. Yeah. And, and I would like you to talk about this for a minute mm -hmm. because it became so powerful in reading this this time. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, na you named it. I mean, the guides say God sees God in everything. So the true self, which knows itself beyond separation and of God, is beginning to express. And when you're operating at that level, you're not denying the divine because you can't. You know, God knows itself as of all things. So the guides have said again and again and again that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And that every choice we make in fear gets us more of the same. And fear is the denial of the divine. That's it. It's really that simple. So my understanding from what they teach is that they're bringing us to this level of vibration. They call it the upper room where we can begin to build a foundation, which is what they're teaching now in the book that they're delivering right now the foundation of being there. And they say, when you go there, and you can experience this because they teach you how to get there, there's no fear there, which is really interesting. You know, you go to the upper room and there's no fear. Yeah. And, you know, then we go, well, I'm supposed to be afraid or I'm supposed to be angry. I'm supposed to be outraged or when any of the masks that fear can wear and then suddenly bang, we're right back downstairs. But they say, you know, the view from the basement apartment is very different than the one on the 10th floor. And we go up to the 10th floor, which is called the upper room. And all of a sudden we go, well, it's really great up here, but, you know, where are my old bills? And where are my, you know, the ashes of my parents? And where's, you know, where's all the stuff I left back downstairs? I've got to bring that back with me. And it doesn't work, you know, because if we want to align at this level, we have to let go of what has sort of tethered us or bound us to the lower. And that's generally the idea of who we're supposed to be, all those shoulds. You know, I'm not me if I'm not worried. I'm not me if I'm not frightened. I'm not me if I'm not reacting in the ways that I always have. So it becomes great opportunity to express ourselves or to begin to know ourselves in a different way. I'm having a similar experience to what you described this year. It's been fascinating for me. I mean, it's yeah. been a deeply challenging year, but also one of extraordinary liberation, I have to say. And the guides are teaching this liberation. It's funny because this book was dictated last year. Right. You know, the book was dictated, oh, you know, it was finished last June. And boy, were they on target for, you know, where we're at today, you know, and they, they're saying things like, you know, you know, we, you know, the path is lit as we walk it. We don't get to know where we end up. That's not how this happens now. But that becomes the great opportunity to become present and to know ourselves, you know, in a, in a vastly different way than we've been taught to expect. And you know what I love about this too, Paul, we're going to go to break here in a little, mm -hmm. I skipped the first break because I really wanted to talk to you, to you about mm -hmm. this. And Benny, we have two copies of the book to give away. Why don't we give away uh, the first copy right now? 1-800-930-2819. Paul Selleck joining me here today. The book we're going to give away is Alchemy. This is a channel text. It's book two, uh, the Beyond the Knowing, the Known Trilogy. Here's the thing that I love about what you said. Um, I am right there with you. Uh, and at the same time, right, I'm, I feel like I have a... Um, um not a navigation marching orders that's it yeah sort of marching orders not navigate the, the map thing i think it's great if you think you want to take your time mm -hmm. but i have a sense of I've, it's like pat you have marching orders do this 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 Good. that's the difference for me this mm -hmm. year see in the past i think it was great to be guided on a map to have a navigation or to have a compass Mm -hmm. This year, when what I'm hearing is get it done, get it done, get it done, get this mm -hmm. done, do this next, get this done, do this, right. next, do this, mm -hmm. do five things at a time, Pat, but get it done. Hire two more producers, right? Like, really? Hire two more producers. Even if you don't know why you're doing that, Pat, just do it. Mm -hmm. This has been very refreshing and freeing for me. But at the same time, it's probably making everybody around me a little bit crazy. 
mm-hmm. because I don't mm-hmm. know how to explain it. Isn't this part of what you talk about in the rising? I think it's the rising. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, you know, I recall about a third of the book, you know, the book's channeled. I'm not writing this thing. The books are all dictation. It's the transcripts of the dictation. When the guides talk about the rising, they're actually talking about the process of, of releasing, you know, and the attachments that we've held. It's like, you know, the guides say, you know, you go to the upper room and those little stones you kept in your pockets get shaken out. You know, even if you get turned upside down, they get shaken out because those things weigh you down or actually attach you to what initially created them, which is usually fear. My process during this time has been somewhat different. I was on the road for at least five years almost nonstop doing my work and yeah. everything you know I was in a I, I'm I my home has been in New York City for almost my entire life and um, I was channeling in Costa Rica New York shut down while I was there and I never went home you know I haven't been <laughs> home wow in, in over five months and the guides used to say in workshops sometimes, you know, at the end, they'd say, you know, you don't have to go home. To people, it's just to people. You don't have to go home. You're choosing to go home. You think you have to go home, you know, but you don't. And I used to think, well, that's a nice teaching about choice and we have choice and we're free. I never went home and I may not. It's shocking to me. You know, I'm finding a very different way of being here um, where I am on Maui than I never thought I would find. Oh. I'm, I'm having a very different experience of simply being. And um, deeply unlike anything I would have chosen, I think, you know, from my historical data of do, 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 you know. So we're all having it differently. But I think um, I think what has happened here is we've been sort of thrust into the present moment in a way that gives us the immediacy of choice and you know, without all of the, the worry that Soros around what can happen, because right now we don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I'm struck by this in a lot of ways, because when I looked at this, th- this time, when I mm-hmm. looked at what was in here, what the message was, I love this word now, re-known, mm-hmm. re-known. And in the book, there's something that's revealed in the book on this day. I decide that all I have known may be re known that all I have seen may be re seen that all that I have decided may be re decided. And as I agree to this, I agreed that for what I may not know is the release of the idea of who and what I have been. And that to me reading it this way, this time, because I've heard it a million times before, this is a new level of the vows to myself. Mm-hmm. Not the vows to producers or to friends or family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it is this new sense now that I have, I have, known in or through fear about my fellows, I am now saying yes to what may be re-known. And I tell you what, short paragraph in the book, but boy, when I got it, it was exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the new energy. I'm not kidding when I said, you know, I read these books several Mm -hmm. days before I get ready to talk with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not surprised that I burned out three headsets, probably Mm. a little technology box. And this morning Mm. on the show with Jennifer, right before this, my last headset blew out and her power blew out. Mm. Um, Now, maybe that's coincidence. But one of the things I want to talk with you about when we come back is now that I have all that, and this was the surprise in this particular book for me, now that I have all that, why is the serenity prayer the thing that comes to mind? Why is the serenity prayer to me and one part of that serenity prayer, why is that going to be my mantra reminder about what's in this book? We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll tell you what that is. Make sure you have plenty of information about Paul. 
We have copies of the book to give away, but are you ready for it? Are you ready for all of what is required to be you? And you'll be surprised maybe what that is. We'll be right back. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amirabeth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit Amirabeth.com. how to lead a happier life on miles to go with Brittany miles how to lose to gain it all join Brittany every second and fourth wednesday at 1 p.m pacific on transformationtalkradio.com listen as coach and healer Brittany miles share stories that teach you about surrender for more information about Brittany, miles to go coaching.com Get your goddess groove on with me, Laura Hosfor. Tune in every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com where I offer you authentic channel messages of love, inspiration, and heart healing grace. Get your goddess groove on. When the goddess speaks, everyone listens. For more information, visit LauraHosford.com. That's LauraHosford.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. How to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. What would you do with the power of community? How do you create your own rituals? Tune in to Living Your Gifts with me, Susan Huff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times, the second Wednesday of each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Our lives begin with the stories we are told and the stories we tell ourselves. Storytelling is the key. To learn more about me, visit LivingYourGifts.com. That's LivingYourGifts.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, I'm so thrilled to have Paul join us here today, Paul Selleck. And uh, thank you, Benny. Uh, We do have another copy of the book to give away. And so let's go ahead and do that. 1-800-930-2819. Paul, look, uh, even though you're sitting there and I want to be right there with you, Paul. I know you didn't invite me, but trust me. If I could get there, I'd be there in six hours. Um, I I just want folks to know how do they find out more about you? How do they get mm. their own copy of the book? Because you're you're like me. We can pretty much work from anywhere, although mm. we really like being in front of people live. But how do they find out about you? Well, my website's my name. It's Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G dot com. And I'm on you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that other stuff too. Um, But the website has all the information about my work and the online workshops that I'm doing now. And, um, and the book is available um, tomorrow, the 18th of August, it releases. 
So that is um, available on, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, every bookseller, bookstores, or you can certainly purchase it online. And when people go to the website, I just want you all to know there are many ways you can work with Paul. Um, you can, you know, take a look at what he offers, um, whether they're private readings or live streams, and there's lots of audio, video, and by the way, his previous books too. Um, please take a look at what he's got there. Uh, in addition to book and study guides and groups, uh, there's a lot of ways that Paul has been able to connect with people. Um, and it's exciting. And we'll go ahead and give a copy, a second copy of the book away. Paul, before the break, I was talking about sometimes the hardest part of the serenity prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, the courage, you know, we yeah. talk about courage in that prayer, but we also about wi wisdom, you know, you mm -hmm. accepting things that you can't change, right? Mm -hmm. Courage to change the things you can and the wisdom to know the difference. And mm -hmm. as I was reading the part of the book on courage. Mm -hmm. I just thought, like, I know Paul didn't write this book yesterday, mm -hmm. but boy, is this one part of the book insightful for us in the world we live in today. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about courage the way it was given to you in this book? I don't recall them speaking about courage directly. I'm sure they did. So I don't know how to answer that. You know, we're accountable to all of our choices at whatever level we make them, you know. And I was channeling yesterday and the guides, and it's for the book, and it was in front of, it's about 400 people, I suppose, on, online. Yeah. And the guides were talking about becoming willing to release where we're denying the divine. And in order for us to do that, we have to be willing to see it. And that's where the courage is required. You know, we often don't want to see where we're stuck or where we're, you know, in judgment or where we're operating in fear or whether we're choosing, you know, the, the old because it's comfortable as opposed to the new, which is providing opportunities for growth. So that's all courage because, you know, we're, we're moving out of, stasis you know the god said it you know the action of fear is to claim more fear every choice made in fear gets you the same if you're not choosing in fear perhaps you're choosing in courage you know yeah. you're, you're, you're 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 walking away from from the opportunity to to be a victim to circumstance i'll tell you what got me about this because i do know what is frozen. frozen oh Am I frozen? Am I still frozen? Okay. Am I better? Yeah. I think, Pat, I think you're, you're okay. You're I think back, Paul's was but a little... It may yeah. be my end. I'm okay. on Maui. All right. It might be, might be mine, yeah. yeah. I think okay. we just needed to take a breath right there. Every time I realize yeah. that I'm getting ready to talk about something where I need to take a breath, boom, there you go. Yeah. So here's the breath that I needed to take before I got to this. When I went through the book again, the, you know, and I was looking at it this morning, I just want to read this. To realize the divine in a higher octave is to bypass established mores and conventions of thought, mm -hmm. to agree to who you are without the costume, without mm -hmm. the idea of how you should be seen, projecting mm -hmm. itself, outcome, once again, on the world before you. The reliance upon heritage, I am this or I am that, claims for you what has been accrued through history at the cost of what would be given to you in this fresh and new moment. That there, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. to me, explains some of the actions I'm taking now. Good. Good. Uh, I mean, this goes on. But mm -hmm. you, it also go on. It goes on to say something that I know the feeling, Paul, but mm -hmm. I don't know the words that's what i love about these books yeah. you write because yeah. even though you're not writing them what i love about them is they give people language for mm. things that they cannot explain mm -hmm. to people that ask like yeah. why paul why are you doing that why pat why you the true self as you operates without the questions well the true self knows the guides say the true self knows and the small self thinks 
there's a place for both. But the yeah. guides say, whenever you're in your knowing, and think about this, every time in your life when you really knew something, you weren't afraid. And yeah. I found that to be true, you know? I mean, if it's like a, I say, I mean, for example, like a, a tough medical diagnosis, you don't want to hear it, but that's not what's frightening. It's about what could happen. You understand? Right. It's yeah. always about that thing that's outside of the moment. So the opportunity to know is in the present moment. The guides are bringing us to the present moment so that we may know. And then they say, and then from your knowing, you may act. But if you're doing that, you're not operating out of past prescription, what I should do, what Paul should do, because this is what Paul has always done. The guides say the small self or the personality structure knows itself through history. That's how it's been programmed you know what i was supposed to be in the world who my mother said i am or my father said i was and you know what it means to be me in the world through the reflection that i have all around me and they're taking us to a different place of awareness i think um that's how i experience it who am i if i'm not what i think i am you know i get to then move to my authentic self or as the guides might say the true self you know, Paul, I, I think I'm getting a reminder, and I don't think I'm alone. I think people are getting a, a reminder of, of what it feels like to operate clear of fear. I want to just read this because this now has become this, this part of the book now I took a picture of. It's on my phone. Uh, so that I can read it every day. On this day, I choose to release myself from the agreement to fear from the agreement to anger, from the agreement to be in separation from this thing. And as I say, yes, I allow this thing or relationship to be renowned in a higher way. Mm -hmm. I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. I lift you to the upper room. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what they're teaching. I mean, that's an attunement. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. That's an attunement. And the guides work with energetic attunements. They say the language is encoded. And so people experience these books really as an energetic transmission. You know, if you go to the reviews on Amazon, they're interesting. People saying, you know, I'm reading this book and my body's vibrating. I'm reading this book and I'm, I'm seeing auras. There's a whole other conversation that seems to be happening at a higher level, you know, through the engagement with the books, the idea of lifting another to the upper room is something that they're teaching. And the idea of re-knowing is something that they're teaching as well. They say, as they say, you know, the divine sees the divine in all things. They say, you know, from the vantage point of the upper room where you're not operating in fear, you're actually, you know, lifting what you encounter to you there. And they say that's done through entrainment or co-resonance. They say, they've been saying for years, you're in accord with everything that you see. And they would say A-C-C-O-R-D is on a, you know, as, uh, or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano. That's how they would describe it. And I always thought, well, that's a sort of a pithy way of sort of describing something, but I didn't know that that was real. And the idea that we're operating in tone, in vibrational tone, a chord of different notes played, they say that's how we're operating. And what they're doing with us is they're transposing the music to the higher octave, the tone to the higher octave. So when you begin to have a level of consciousness that expresses in what they call the upper room, you basically become a conduit for it. You know, the guides talk about the kingdom and they say the kingdom is the awareness of the inherent divine in all manifestation. And, you know, the kingdom, they say, is claimed by the one who abides there, by the one who is aligned to that level of consciousness or vibration. So the lifting to the upper room is the act of alchemy that they're teaching. And, you know, one of the things I find with this that hit me this time, you know, it's not the first time I've heard them talk about the upper room, right? But there's something at this time that, even though you couldn't know a year ago or 18 months ago, that, that really caught my attention. And I asked myself this question. I asked myself the question, what if I could reside in Christ's mind all the time? Yeah. What if I could do that? I didn't ask the question, 
wow, I wonder if I could do that. Because most of the time I've read your books, I would ask myself, wow, I wonder if I could do that. No, this is a different question for me. Mm. What would my life look like if I operated like that? If it became not an afterthought? Yeah, I understand. That's been my question too. I mean, it's in some ways, I think what I asked for when I was a very young man and I'd had a couple of experiences that had really floored me and I knew there was more than I had been taught to believe in. And I was raised sort of an atheist. So, you know, it was a big, big, big jump for me. And, you know, I was a college teacher. I wasn't looking to be known as a a psychic or a channel, but I was beginning to open up. And I asked, you know, from a place of, of real, I almost, I don't know how to describe it. Innocence, I suppose. I was young. And I said, I would like to go all the way with this, you know. And I believe what the guides are bringing through in their teachings is a way for people to to realize that. I don't know that I'll ever get there. I have the same questions you do. I do understand the idea, though, of of living with an awareness of the implicit divinity that the guides say is already expressing my the one time i had i had a whopping experience of it when i was about 29 years old mm-hmm. and i had gone through a very dark maybe 28 gone through a very very rough period that i didn't think would end you know i was really sort of having a rough rough time and i was praying on it because i didn't know what else to do and when it lifted it lifted in a way that I could not have expected. I was Mm. very, very poor. I was living in Manhattan. You know, I I remember riding on the subway. I think I had like 14 cents or something. I was crazy. But I, I remember at that time knowing and real knowing in a deep, deep level that I was right where I was supposed to be. And I also knew that everybody else was as well. It was a trip. I'd never experienced anything like it. It was an experience of sort of this perfect, strange dance that we were all engaging in. And I never forgot it. It lasted for about three days. And then when it went away, I thought I must have done something awful for that to to disappear because I thought it was so extraordinary and I thought I'd arrived. My understanding of what the guides teach about the kingdom and this level of alignment that you're speaking of to sort of align to the awareness of the divine I mean, they're saying it is experiential. They're trying to teach it now. You know, they're trying to to give us some understanding of, 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 of what experience is like. But if you can just even imagine what it might be like not to be in agreement to fear and not to be stuck in an idea of self that is operating in separation. And we've been so used to separation you know, God is, I mean, the guys have said, you know, we've been raised to believe that if there is a God, it's up on a cloud someplace and we're stuck here, you know, and they say that's not the case at all. You know, it's a really about the reunion or the re-knowing of all things as of God that allows us to have this experience. You know, I was, um, I, I was struck on two things you just said, but also it's a reflection of what's here. Um you know, and it talks about how we cannot be separate. And, and, and I just want to talk about this. It says, you know, now what happens to the individual who aligns at this level is they begin to receive the information required of them to be in coherence yeah. with God. And that's the thing for me that when I started to reflect back like you, like the story you just shared, right? Mm -hmm. When I started to reflect back at my life and I look at, this is my language, the purity of my decisions, meaning I made decisions from a place of knowing that Mm -hmm. even if you tried to convince me like that I didn't know, you wouldn't be able to get me out of the place where mm-hmm. I knew that do this, I just knew. It's, it goes back 16 years ago. I knew 16 years ago when I dialed a wrong phone number, I knew not to hang up. I knew mm. to engage in these people. Yeah. 
hence my first hour of airtime. Wow. Right? Yeah. Um, on a digital network in 2003. Come on. 2003 like mm-hmm. was like Al Gore didn't even invent the internet yet. Mm-hmm. And it never made sense, Paul. Yeah. To yeah. Anybody yeah. around me. Understood. Yep. But I want to talk about doubt for a minute. Sure. Um, people talk about fear. And I think fear and doubt may be cousins. That's interesting. Actually, I get yes, that's accurate. Um, It's, you know, I am not, how can I, how can I say this? You know, I'm living this life and I worry about things and I am not an absolutist. You know, I question these teachings all the time. You know, I, it's not that I'm a skeptic, but at this point, I've been given enough proof that they know what they're talking about. But I can't say I understand all of it. So I do, I doubt it. I I inquire to allay my own doubts, you know, and you'll see in the books, they'll say Paul is interrupting. Or every time I teach, (laughs) they'll say Paul is interrupting. And, you know, I don't write the books, but my name appears in the cover and I have a Mm -hmm. sense of, of responsibility at that level. You know, I'm party to the teaching, although I'm not, I'm not the teacher. They're thankfully smarter than I am. Um, so I, I have to say, finally, that I have to go back to what they keep saying, which is everything that we encounter is an opportunity. Everything. It's all opportunity to learn. We're here to learn. This is opportunity. So even my doubts, you know, there have been a lot of the guides teach a lot about not taking actions based in fear, but they're also being very clear to speak about prudence and caution, you know, as not being fearful. So if the ice is thin, that's not to go skating, Right. you know, that's not that you're frightened of the water or you're no. frightened of the ice. You're choosing not to go skating on thin ice. It's like, if it's raining, an umbrella is prudent. You know, it's, it's not about fear. It's about, discernment and caution i find that very helpful because otherwise people are saying be you know go be cavalier go skate on the ice you shouldn't you don't have to you can drown that way you don't have to do that so i'm grateful about how they parse this stuff out it makes it easier for me to begin to work with it um you know i understand what they're teaching now which is the attunement that's in the book that they're bringing through and it's a simple one. And they're saying, God is, God is, God is, which is basically refuting the denial of the divine, you know, and it's a potent one. You can feel the energy of it when you work with it. It was a trip when they brought it through. And I'm used to doing these things in live workshops where you've got, you know, all these people working with the attunements and feeling the energy. Now it's online and we're still getting it fully. Um but I find it somewhat extraordinary. And what that is doing is just saying in the face of the, the doubt, in the face of the denial, in the face of the fear, that source is still present. Mm. God is. That's, that's it. And that's the awareness of the presence of the divine, which seems to be at the heart of their teaching. You know, it's funny. I mean, this is this is actually a little funny. I was driving the other day. I live in Washington State now. And mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, we have these uh, ballot boxes where you take your ballot, and we just mm-hmm. had a, a little uh, an election here not too long ago. So you take your ballot, and you drive up to the ballot box and you drop your ballot. And I thought to myself, and so right next to it is a drive-through place, like a fast food thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't. Why don't we have drive-through ballots? Why don't we have mm-hmm. drive-through voting? So I saw a message from um, I guess it was Kamala Harris just Mm -hmm. penned a bill for drive-through voting. Mm. And you see, for me, I thought there is something to be said about the collective and the consciousness. Now, look, I, I, I did not email her on this or anybody about it, but it's one of those things that, an epidemic of the size or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. pandemic, whatever we're going with, people have so many, mm-hmm. but out comes a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Drive through, like we're not standing in line, but driving through 
and dropping your thing off. Yeah. In the middle of this, an idea uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Um, but those ideas come by letting go of the past. You see, because every conventional yeah. thought about past ways of doing it wouldn't mm-hmm. get you to that idea. And there's so much more. There's so many more. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And the guides talk, have been, they've been talking about this for the last three or, you know, this is, this is alchemy is their eighth book. Yes. Um, and in the, around, it's actually in all of them, but it's, and it's been escalating in the last few years where they've been talking about the kinds of changes that we're going to be experiencing. And they yeah. basically said, we're looking at an overhaul of all political and economic religious systems you know in time i mean that's really what's having to happen now and that just say you know everything they say that's been created in fear or is informed by fear needs to be renown or reclaimed in a higher way you know and we don't get to we don't get to deal with this stuff until we can see it for what it is and that's the uncomfortable part you know right now things are being seen and you know, we're having to sort of see where we're participatory. The guides say that we, all of us, are in vibrational accord with everything that we see, you know, because you can yeah. see it, you're in alignment to it. Yeah. And that then becomes, again, opportunity. But you're describing as what I tend to think of as this, these things that are sort of floating around in the ethers and they can be grabbed. Yeah. So online, you know, uh, you know, drive through voting, you got sure. it. Kamala Harris got it. Maybe other people got it too, because it's there as an opportunity, but these opportunities aren't present necessarily when we're so attached to things being what they were, perhaps you know, there's a higher way. And there's gotta be a higher way. Cause I was so fascinated by this, Paul, that, you know, I, I have you ever had a moment where you get an insight and it doesn't have to be about drive-through voting, but anything, Mm -hmm. it could be small. Like Mm -hmm. I had an insight yesterday that it was important to organize the things in my bathroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I went and did it. And Linda said, I thought you didn't want to do that. I said, no, we have to do it. But these are the things that come through us Mm -hmm. and they may come in the form of ideas. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times for me, they come in the form of action, Mm -hmm. but what you're writing about, and what this book talks to so very clearly for me, at least this time, is the world of the Christ mind or the world of living free from fear. Mm-hmm. That space is indescribable. Yeah. And it's so freeing. It is such a powerful sense of freedom. That freedom is not even the right word. I want to thank you, Paul. Thank you for today. Please give out your website again. And, and sure. I'd love to know your personal message. Thank you so much for all you do. Sure. It's um, Paul at paulselig.com is how to reach me, S-E-L-I-G.com. And a personal message. Um, I mean, the only thing that I would say is this one thing that the guys say again and again and again, and I have to remember it. They say, you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. Mm. And I think that that's a truth. And I think it's something that we can practice. I love it. Paul Selleck, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Olivia. And for those of you out there at 1230, right here on Transformation Talk Radio, special edition of Power Up with Dr. Pat. We'll see you then.